Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay. Block Party is here. I'm your host, Mike Wall. Thanks for watching. If you're enjoying, please subscribe, rate, and review on our. Uh, Process to Perform channel on YouTube. You can hit me up, MikeWall68 on X, Twitter. What do you say? Tweet? X, tweet? I don't get it. Process to Perform on Instagram. Our show is always sponsored by Bet Online, And Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including professional and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the basketball player props pools. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices and head to bet online today to become part of the team. And remember to use your promo code believe that's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. And I was just perusing, we're going to go into some, some drafts up, but I was just perusing the Packers NFL stuff on, on the old uh, Google machine here. And it says something interesting, actually. Rams head coach Sean McVay and Bills head coach Sean McDermott have been added as new members of the NFL's competition committee. Now, for those who don't know, NFL's competition committee, amongst other things, is the committee that determines whether you can horse collar, where you can do the the hip drop tackle, um, uh, how they're going to, you know, are they going to do the XFL kickoff, uh, all of that stuff, okay? Fans will probably understand this, but listen to who's on this competition. Now, again, You're trying to, the competition committee is, I think, first and foremost, trying to, in a vacuum, is trying to make the game as visible or viewable as possible, watchable as possible, while maintaining some sort of standard of excellence that the NFL has. And in doing so, maintaining a level of like player safety that is acceptable. I don't know acceptable to who, but hopefully the players. Here's the competition committee members. Rich McKay, chairman. So he's like Cincinnati. I'm not sure what she does. Chris Greer, Miami general manager. Stephen Jones, Dallas, part owner, general manager. John Mara, owner. Sean McDermott, one coach, new coach, Buffalo Bills. So they had to get rid of a couple people. Mike Vrabel, for example, doesn't have a job right now, so he can't be on the competition committee. Sean McVay, LA Rams. So they got defensive offensive player. And then Mike Tomlin has been on there forever as the other guy. So there's only three coaches out of eight people. And I've been privy to a lot of conversations around some of the stuff that goes on in the competition committee. And it's what's, I think just quite frankly, really, really interesting is as I look at this group, only three of these guys are hands-on uh, or through these humans are hands-on on the field that deal directly with players on how to improve safety. So there's a lot. So I guess what I'm saying is to people that are out there that are, are trying to figure out like, why are we making a big deal out of the kickoff when nobody returns them anyways? Or why do we, well, the answer is, Instead of maybe like, hey, that hip drop tackle is going to severely injure some people. And now they're looking at it, but they could have done it two years ago, but they didn't want to because not enough big names have gotten hurt. The answer is most of the people that are on here don't have any real um, experience playing the game firsthand or have a, a real personal relationship with or intimate relationship with what's going on in the field. So I just it's always interesting when you see who's making decisions about other people's well-being and 
how that motivation could be elsewhere if the people that are making uh, decisions in, in other people's safety and well-being don't really have a stake in that particular part of the game, at least uh, either directly or like, you know, secondhand. But let's move on to something that Packer fans don't really want to talk about. David Bakhtiari probably won't be on the team next year. Talked about it a little bit last last week. Probably doesn't want to be on the team anymore. I would imagine he wants to go to the Jets for all the reasons I stated last week. Offensive line needs help. Barateco will be back. Um, Joe Tippmann's a good player. Xavier Newman can start at the other guard. They have guys. Uh, Makai Becton, he's, I don't know if he's the answer or not. There's a lot of injuries uh, issues there. There's kind of some, honestly, he's, he might be too big for his own good as far as just six foot nine. Everybody plays like Dwight Freeney on him. Um, Aaron Rodgers is obviously very close to David Bakhtiari. There's just a lot of things there that make sense. He's made so much money here. Um, it seems like, you know, what you never want to get sometimes is, and Brett was this way towards the end, and they actually kept Doug Peterson around. It felt like, not that Doug wasn't a competent backup, but it kind of did feel like Doug was there because he was Brett's friend. Like he was in the same age range. Whereas like when I got there, Brett was so much older than everybody else. And Frankie left and then Chewy left. Like Brett was so much older than everybody else. There was like literally a generational disconnect. Um, and so as as great a guy as he is and, and, as, and as great as that locker room was, there was certainly like, you know, he's 10 years older than everybody else. And I don't know if they, Bakhtiari, he's kind of getting in that range. I don't know if you want to be that in that group because this is such a young roster. Um, Right now, the Green Bay Packers have two standout players in the offensive line. Like, you have two guys nailed down positions. You have Elton Jenkins at left guard. You have Zach Tom at right tackle. I don't think you move those guys. We already tried that with both of them. Zach seemed to have really kind of grown into that position at right tackle, and that's a premium position in the National Football League. So I don't think you want to touch that. Elgin, I just think he's a good left guard. And, like, what's the point of putting him at center? Left guard's, you know, arguably maybe a more important position from a physical standpoint. He's not going to be your left tackle. So, you know, why move him around if you don't have to? Um there's going to be battles at the right guard and center position. And those battles could be with guys on the team. If John Ryan Jr. comes back, you know, obviously Sean Ryan, John Ryan Jr. are going to have that competition. We already talked about that a little bit. But more than likely, they're going to draft guys to create these, these position battles. They don't really bring in a lot of big price free agents to become linemen. They do a good job of drafting and developing. They've been doing that for 30 years. So you can expect some either – you know, second, third, fourth, fifth round guys, or even some unrestricted free or um, undrafted free agent guys to come in and give competition and Goody's ability to kind of uncover those guys and in in accordance with what the what the the vision is from Stenovich, what the vision is from Buckus as far as in the offensive line room, how good he is at developing talent. That we still we're not really far enough along to figure out if we like that or not. But they're gonna they're gonna draft some people. They might bring some some lower price free agents in at the center in the right guard position. I don't see them bringing in a big a big name center in particular uh, to do that. The tackle position is a tricky one for a couple of reasons. Number one, you're replacing if if bacteria leaves, you're replacing a potential Hall of Fame player that has been so good for so long. We talk about the a very small sample size of the last two years being injured, or maybe it's been a little bit more than that. But he's been playing at such a high level for so long. He's a Hall of Fame player. And you take him for granted because he was just so good. It's just plug and play. And, like, the casual fan doesn't understand how much he helps an offense. Because the Packers' offense, if you and really all of the Shanahan offenses, have adjusted their schemes around kind of the lack of development at offensive line. 
So you're minimizing kind of the individual impact of a lot of these guys, or maybe I, the better way to say it is like you're maximizing what their base level starting talent is when they walk into the league. So, so many guys, because of all the misdirection, um, all of the, the, the new ways to insert your tight end and your fullback, all the keep passes, all of that's like, there's so much stuff going on now that it's so much um, you can get maybe a, maybe a lower level technical player can play in a, a, a competently in one of these offenses and the offense can function. So I think a lot of people don't understand what bringing in just a monster talent, like a different, a generational or differentiated talent, an elite level player, a pro bowl player, an audible player, player can do it any, really any position along the line until you go and watch how much better that player is than his peer group. So when I think about replacing a guy like Bakhtiari, and especially the last couple of years, and not understanding how good he's been, you need to understand that when you bring a major talent into the left tackle position, it not only improves the scheme that they're running now, but it also like dramatically expands the playbook possibilities of what you could run over the course of time. Because a stud, like a stud left tackle, not only locks down that defensive end so you don't have to give any help, everything can be situated somewhere else. Every once in a while you throw a chip in there for fun. But he also is dominant in the run game. So you never have to think about, you could run a ton of open side stuff. Backside, you you have like a, you have on the backside of like your backside B looks, your backside cutoff looks, like that guy's washed away. So you're going to get that, you're going to get extra two yards of width and lanes. Like so all this stuff happens if you got a stud there. So what I did was there's so many guys to look at. And I quite frankly, guys, like I, I'm way more interested when they get on the team to take a look at them. Um, especially for the college guys, just there's so many, there's so much difference in what they're taught, how they're taught, how often they're taught, the detail they're taught within who they play against the offense they're in, that you really just have to start looking at what their movement mechanics are, what their attitude is on the field, and like what can you kind of and then you have to project what your guy with Buckus or Stenovic, whoever's, you know, whoever's doing the majority of the O-line development, what they can do with that player. So I looked at, uh, I looked at four guys that are kind of rated top 10 in this upcoming draft. And I'm going to give you some video guys and, and with some thoughts. Um, because again, I think, well, I'm going to give you video on three of them, I should say, because the fourth one who is, uh, uh, Talisa Fuaga from Oregon State it was my my dad's on my mom's you know my parents on my mom and my dad played ball at Oregon State and they've been really really good offensive line so I wanted to check him out he's bigger at 332 than most guys that Green Bay would draft I did a great thing up uh, right up on him but you know as always happens with me computer problems like we're having right now arise and um, I trashed his video so we only got three now but I'm going to give you some notes on him before I do it, just kind of a general a general idea of how I go through this. I try to use the general framework of medium-sized, more athletic, in quotes, guys that Green Bay usually like. Goody likes guys that aren't, you know, 350, 360 pounds. And there's some monsters out there um, right now in this draft class. But I think we see this every year where people fall in love with these monster guys. And there's been a the guy from Ohio State that played in Pittsburgh. He's going to be a good player. But – you know, generally speaking, or even the, you know, the 330, the Tennessee kid, going to be a good player. I'm, I'm thinking of the wrong guy. The guy in George is the, the Pittsburgh guy. He's really good. But some of these guys are monsters, but some of the guys get too big for their own good. I mean, you know, we'd look at 
If you're six foot nine, you have leverage problems. If you're 370 pounds, you have movement problems. And yeah, you can run this offense as where like you try to cater to that body type. But if you're an athlete, if you're 315 pounds, if you're 300 to 320 pounds, if you're six four to six six, you can bend. You can play anything. You can run anything. You can run the pin and pulls. You can run the 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 the, the gap scheme, the outside zone, the man, the doubles, the do you could run everything, right? You just have to be taught to do it. Some of this other stuff becomes more difficult. Guys can't move as well in space. And it's like, what are you giving up? Is it really worth it? Do small guys give you a hard time, either from a leverage standpoint or redirection standpoint? You got to think about everything. So here's a couple guys that we want to look at. The first one is Fuaga from, from Oregon State, 6'2", 332, played right tackle, there's initially that thought process of we're not going to probably switch from a right tackle to a left tackle in the pros. He moves well for a bigger guy. I'll say that. Um, he's got a he's got kind of good set technique, so good initial footwork out of a two point or three point stance. Um, he's a a lot of times people focus on you always talk about being a knee bender, and I just wanted like to spell that right now. You really you don't want to be a waist bender, but you do want to be a hip bender. Your hips where you load you know, your posterior chain is where all your power is. So you want to be a great hip bender. He's not a great hip bender yet. Um, he can improve that. He can improve hip hip explosion. He can improve his ability to reset on the second level. The scouting reports love this guy's knee bend, but like that's that's not really what I'm focused on. A lot of guys can bend their knees. Can a guy bend at the hip and really keep a hip hinge and load through you know, into contact? I think that's more his ability to maintain that athletic profile that you see with every other position, every other sport in the country, except offensive line with some of the way that some of these guys teach it. Like you want to be in your best body mechanic position. Um, I think this guy can be effective in all NFL offenses. He can run inline double zones. He can pull a little bit. Um, I think he struggles a little bit with the size on the outside pull stuff. He gets really tall. It's tough for him to break down. But again, you can, you know, a lot of guys aren't great at the pull stuff. You just have to be able to get in that DB's way. We even saw it with Trent in, the, in, the, in the, the Super Bowl. You know, he was missing a couple of those guys out on the edge. It's not a perfect science. You just have to be, you have to be like five-star at three of those things, and you can be a four-star at one of them. It's okay. I think he's the immediate starter of the National Football League. This guy has improved at Oregon State every year he's been there. He's a really, really top-level player in college. I think the big question is, would he be a left tackle? My answer is probably no. So he's kind of out of the conversation. And, of course, I'm so stupid that I trashed his video. But let's go to the second guy. I, I love the the UW, the UW guy, Troy. His, and I'll screw up all these names. I apologize. Troy Fautanu, six foot four, three seventeen. 317. Um, I'll just give you my notes, then we'll go through the tape. Great feet, plays with great extension, extension run in the pass game. I just re, I reiterated, elite feet for, reiterated elite feet for the offensive line. I think his stance limits his explosiveness in pass pro. He needs to improve his get off so he can get in, he can get to kind of his real estate spot under control. We'll show that he isn't consistent enough with his body profile and his pass set, so he's not giving you that kind of hip hinge, no numbers look. He's given a lot of chest. His hands are outside a little bit. He has the tools to be powerful in the run game, but his footwork isn't really there. He's kind of setting up for contact punching and then trying to get his feet chase to feet chase his hips late. He's not playing with a lot of hip explosion in the run game. So he's kind of, and a lot of guys in the national football league are doing this now. It just, you can't, you can't really move people off the spot. If you're trying to fit in, settle, and then roll. And especially at six, four, three, 17, um, he has the leverage. He has the bend. He has everything you want. He's just not utilizing his power as much as he can. Let's take a look at this guy. I really like this guy. 
as an NFL prospect. So first and foremost, I got to take this off. So great feet, great extension. We're just going to see the down block. And uh, people don't look at this kind of stuff, but this is all I look at, right? How is your footwork? How do you attack guys with body position? So you just watch this guy. And he does such a good job. Now the guy's fighting back over the top. So he's on the 25. He pushes him all the way back past the 30, past the 31, 32. So when a guy plays over the top and changes, he can accelerate through, get those hips under, engaged underneath and run those feet. He plays with his arms extended away from the body. Love it. We see at the left tackle position, you see he's a little bit upright. So he's got that kind of sit down in the chair stanch. The problem with that is you're going to end up right. You can't, well, one, you can't, you're a quad dominant guy. So you can't really explode out of your stance as fast as you want for the speed rushes of the National Football League. And then two, you're really upright into contact. So we'll see here. You got to get a better body position. So I'm not just giving up all of this chest initially. And you want to be able to strike with your hips. So it's hard if you're not a hip hinge athlete, if you're sitting upright, it's hard not to just punch with your arms. When you punch with your, your hips, that means both your feet are in the ground and you're actually pressing down into the earth to activate that lower, that posterior chain so you can get more snap into your strike. That's not something that people think about that much because, quite frankly, offensive line coaches don't spend a lot of time with the strength conditioning coaches. They don't understand how the body works. So he has to fight off, and he's got a good job of replacing hands, but this is an undersized guy he shouldn't have any problems with. Again, guys, just I love that he's downfield here. Just remember, when we're watching tape, it's not whether you win or lose all the time. It's how you do something because that process is going to carry you to the next level. It's not necessarily a great athlete is beating average athletes in college. It's how does a great athlete go about his business? So when he has to play against, you know, a, uh, a, a Miles Garrett, when you have to play against a, a Josh Allen, you know, those type of players, like how are you going to perform? Because those guys are – those guys, they're the elite, the best of the best. We get the down block here. And you just see the way this he's able to move his feet and now able to reset his hips. He does a really good job of moving laterally. He doesn't heel click. Everything's very fluid. He's a smooth mover. He tries to play extended. Good job of holding it off in the pocket. Again, you see that tall stance. I'm not a fan of that. Some guys can do that, and they can still can engage their hips. The problem is you're just giving a big target to the defensive end. I just love this. I can't see this enough. You just don't see this in the National Football League. I have to tuck your ears in moment, man. If you are a looper and you do not get ear hold, if you're not paying attention and you got a dropper on the tackle and that tackle doesn't ear hold your guy, like I just move on from the tape. I don't even want him. Right? I want a guy that's going to ear hole a dude because it's a violent sport inside. Let's take advantage. Knock him right on his backside. Fantastic. Three-point stance here. He's fluid in and out. Does a great job of winning with the hand. So gets hands inside, can snatch a la Mike Flanagan back in the day. There's nobody better at it, in the, at least as far as anybody I've seen in the National Football League. It wasn't snatching dudes and Mike Flanagan. Great hands here. You can't measure in the NFL. What I mean by that is, let me go back. His feet, so he's taking two steps now, and you see his feet are like square, okay, as he's approaching this person. And if your second step isn't gaining ground, you're square, 
we just call I call that measuring. In other words, you're not coming off to level that dude to snap and win the initial contact. You're trying to not miss. You're a little bit worried about it. You see his stance is a little bit wide, and you're going to kind of fit in, and then you're going to fight a little bit, right? Your play side here on this look, you've got to come off the ball and try to displace vertically. And when you don't do that, this is when guys like aren't necessarily as good as you, like one here, can just arm over inside and you lose your leverage point because your feet are square. You can't move them. You're not in a good position. You like the body profile here as far as not giving a lot of numbers to hit. He's got a decent hip pinch. He's still a little bit too tall. Hands are inside. So if you're looking at this down the barrel from the defensive end's perspective, there's not a lot of action that you can take from, uh, from the tackle here. You have to be able to try to fight, find an edge, try to get him to get off a spot, change his rhythm. And he's kind of giving you this, this look where all you see is the top of the numbers, shoulder pads, top of the helmet, right? Hands are inside. That's a great body profile for a guy that he can take to the National Football League. Good job again. Plan of extended finishes his block there. We see here again, I just am not thrilled with the way he comes off the ball because he is kind of a leverage player with that great bend but he's just not doing a great job, I think, of being able to sustain blocks. Now, the running back does fight outside, so I'm not talking about three coming off the ball here at all. I'm talking about the initial contact. He's really trying to displace a human off the line of scrimmage. Love the versatility as far as his ability to move in space. He can pull. He can run any scheme you want him to run. I think I got two clips here. One him pulling out to the left. Doing a good job of finishing the block here. Bye-bye. And then a second one, I think, with the pull here to the linebacker. And you see how easy this is for him. He looks really like a small center almost moving around. Now, he's only 6'4", 317. Some guys are going to probably look at him and be a guard prospect, um, which I, I think he could be a really, really good guard, quite frankly. But I'm sure he's going into the league thinking, hey, I'm, I'm a tackle. He kind of reminds me of the kid from um, – Northwestern last year who went to Tennessee is playing left guard this year. Uh, obviously, uh, Skolinski, he's a, he's a, you know, a, a legacy guy in, in, in Wisconsin. So I think for me, if you're looking at Troy uh, Fautano, really, really good player, really, really good feet. Um, he might be a guard. He, if you, if he can learn to be more, more powerful in his initial footwork and let him unlock his hips, he might be a guard. You, if you if he wants to play tackle, you're going to have to mess with his stance. He's going to have to be able to get deep a little bit faster and more of explosive and a better position. But you just see he's got kind of all of the things that you're looking for just strictly from the standpoint of um, can I get to a good body position that kind of removes option, options from the defensive end? And he's a great – he's really, really good on the move. Next guy is uh, – I'm going to not butcher his first name. Short name, Olu Fashanu. 6'6", 319, Penn State. Again, here's a quick crib notes from me. I love his balance in small spaces. This guy's an elite athlete. This guy's going to run a sub 540. He's like that kind of guy. Plays with great extension, has no problem controlling defender in the run game at first and second level. He needs to explode out on his initial kick slide. He gets into a tall posture and reaches in the D, to, uh, towards the DN and pass pro. So he has to improve his ability to snap punch with timing and create a body profile that leaves the D end less options to win. What I was just talking about, he gets a little bit um, vertical with his stance early. 
Same thing, kick slide is too long, has a pro-delay mindset, which means he does a good job of kind of getting back, understanding the pocket geometry. They just don't like where his feet are. Um, this guy is more hat, excuse me, he's more hands than hat in the run game, meaning that he is not really violent at the point of the attack. He will get his hands on you, and on like doubles, he does run his feet. He's a great athlete, so he can move people off the line, but there's a lot of times where he doesn't, engage contact maybe as hard as he can you got to get a more of a physical presence so bottom line here footwork can improve body posture can improve i think wherever he goes this guy's gonna be a first draft uh, first round draft pick wherever he goes that team needs to feel and it, green bay packers you know time will tell i know stano's there um but he's the o coordinator now that coach has to understand body mechanics and how this guy should be moving and then get him to move the way because he's so athletic. He's got some. He's got some habits that you'd like to fix. If they don't fix those habits, right now you heard it here. He's never going to be the player that he could be. This guy has a high ceiling. He's got high potential. But if he doesn't uh, get with a coach that understands movement mechanics, understands you know what best practice is, and forces this guy to do best practice, then he's just not going to be the player he could. He is a talent though. Let's check him out. Let's see which one is he here. Let's hope it's this one. It is. All right, perfect. So he's number 77. No, this is not him. You. Let's try this again. Sorry, guys. I think so. The big thing here when you talk about being an athlete is that's not a great kick. He reaches for the guy. He's in a bad position, but he just makes up ground. He's just one of those guys that can like, make problems go away, even against Ohio State. And I think that's what I'm talking about when you start getting to the elite-level guys, the Josh Allens, the Miles Garrett, the TJ Watts. If you're going up against high-level guys, Bosa brothers, if you go up with those guys all the time, well, they're good athletes too. I mean, elite-level athletes that have years of technical work underneath their belts. So this doesn't always work. This will bail you out sometimes, but you really want to become a technician. And so I think – because this guy's such a good athlete, he's relying on that maybe too much at the college level. Just talking about needs to improve set. So you see after two, he's already half turned. His feet are almost vertical. His, his, his toes are pointing towards the sideline at a 45. This is just too easy to beat. Now you get into this position where you're leaning on a guy. Okay, so this doesn't work in the league, right? This works in college, just doesn't work in the league. So I'm not cherry picking. I literally just, you know, I go through tape, as you guys know from people who've watched me before. I just put on a couple series. I break the the ones that are that are on it down. We just move on. You see that how he gets to because he's so good with his hips. He gets his hips engaged and he ends up throwing this guy by the quarterback. But that's not how what you want to start a pass set. You got to be the hammer here. So he's a little bit tall into contact and just kind of takes the brunt of this. You want to be able to lower your shoulder as big as he is. That's kind of unacceptable, right? It's not just good enough to take the block. You got to make the block. I mean, he's just, you see the, the hip drive, you see the engagement, you see the feet, you know, that's just an NFL type. He can stay on that block when the guy tries to arm over. He stays on. No holding call. Pushes the guy back. Now, even the guy's chasing, he's still got hands engaged. Like, it's just little things, man. Like, he's he's big-time athlete. Big-time athlete.
you see that hip engagement again. You know, he's catching. Hands aren't where they want to be, but you see that hip engagement. Watch this hip drop here. So he sits and just sits back down. So they run the game. Mike. So they run the game and how he can just sit. He just sits and sticks, tightens his core up, plays over, right? Wherever you want to go, you're not going there anymore. Unique. Unique with guys. A lot of guys get out of control in those plays. Elite level mover. And you just see his ability to change direction, 320 pounds, big guy, has those big knee braces, so it looks even bigger. But just it's so effortless for him to move back and forth, keeps his feet wide, you know. You love his his lateral movement. I'm not thrilled about his vertical movement because it just needs some coaching. But you just love the way the guy moves. You love the way the guy tries to use his hands. This is where you get in trouble with mechanics. So we'll just we'll reshape the we'll reshow this one. This is what happens, guys. Quite frankly, in the National Football League uh, level as well. I did this all the time, guys. Coaches teach you. Oh, you got to have all these different moves and instead of having one great move. So this guy's going to flat set. He would never get beat by this defensive end. So he jumps out and thinks he's doing a good job, but now he's not under control. So the other guy is ready to move. He's a better athlete. Now he's got to redirect. Now he opens back up and he gets beat. Okay. And the only reason that happens is because somewhere along the line, a coach showed him like, Hey, you got a flat set here. You got a jump set. You got to do all this stuff. And it's like, I just get good at one thing. Just get good at one thing and you never lose. You got a little double team here. And I like the movement. Look at the just initial push that he gets. He's a little bit high, right? But the hip drive, the movement, the athleticism does a good job of getting the guy off the line of scrimmage. Some of the stuff here as far as just little things to clean up. You know, we're talking, it's just hard to switch off games. So they're running a TE here again. And because the way he sets and he gets his feet vertical, it's just really hard to switch off games. You can't move that post foot, that front post foot without having to swing the gate open. So you just kind of got to take the bull here. If this is like a seven step, these guys are in a lot of trouble. Luckily that defensive end isn't coming around very fast, but these are the things you just got to look at and go. There's a lot of room for improvement here because that defensive tackle now really not because of what the guard did, because of how the tackle sets, you know, that creates a problem for the quarterback. So, Fashanu, there's a guy that if you had a pick and he was on the board at tackle, you got to at least – and, I, you know, here's the thing. I don't know if any of these guys are as talented as last year's class or the year before. Um, and I know, like, uh, it takes time to be really good in the National Football League at, at this position. There's only a few guys that have walked in and day one just dominated. But I don't know. I don't know that some of the athleticism jumps off the screen with these guys, maybe as much as it has. Like, I'm not as in love with anybody as much as I like the kid from Tennessee last year or the kid from Georgia. And I can't remember their names right now, and I apologize. But they were like athletic. They were just, these guys are really, really good. I don't know if they're like those guys. So that would just be my only take. So I don't know. But, 
late first round, second round pick. He could be available. And if he is, and you feel like Marcus can develop him or he can go to somebody and get developed, you know, he's something you definitely want to look at. The last guy is from Arizona, Jordan Morgan. And Jordan is 6'4", 312, so it kind of falls into that range. He just he just looks like a well-built, like he just looks like a he's just a good looking dude. You know, he's just not, he doesn't look too big. He's not, he's he looks kind of somewhat thin. Um, just looks sturdy. He doesn't have elite feet. There's nothing about this guy that you go, man, that jumps off the screen. So I don't know. He's not a first round pick. But he's got pretty good footwork and pass protection. And like and he understands like the geometry of the pocket. I think his body position and his hip hinge are, are really good. He needs to really, really improve his hands. His hand placement is very poor at the for the pro level. He does get turned early sometimes in a set. Sometimes he feels rushed. But he has shown that he can get to the spot. So he's just got to work on consistency as every player does in college. And I just wrote down he's a football player. You know, he's not a starter day one for me, but he's a good project guy. With a, I think he's got a good upside. I think he's a guy that's going to be a starter in the National Football League with good coaching. This is this is a guy where where you go is going to make a total difference in, in you know how your career goes. You go to a bad program with a bad O-line coach and a bad offense, you're in trouble. You go to a good program with a good O-line coach and a good offense, you could flourish and be a really good player. Um, he just seems to have some of those characteristics that you look for. Let's take a, Let's take a peek at him. And I think I just wrote, he's just a football guy. And left tackle number 77, you see the hands are outside. It looks like he's going to get out of control. And he just kind of figures it out. Like, he just kind of has a really good, it's almost like Tausch, like back in the day where you're going like, uh, it's not going to work out. And then all of a sudden he just sinks. He uses that Tausch core and just drops his hips and like guys aren't going nowhere anymore. And this guy does this a lot in college, right? So it doesn't necessarily have to look pretty, but he does seem to get the job done. See here, you like the hip hinge initially, then he just always is grabbing arms outside. He's going to get a lot of holding calls in the National Football League. He continues this this way of doing business. It just needs a lot of work from, you know, you just see the hands outside now, so now he's he's getting pushed back. It's not his initial body position. It's that his hands are outside all the time, and he does just does a ton of catching. Really going to have to improve his strike work. But you just like the way he looks up until this moment. Like you like his initial set. You like his bend. He just always ends up holding. Um, I don't know why it says type here. I must have screwed something up there. But what I'm trying to say here is like you just got to look at that hip explosion and be appreciative of how he can engage, even though those hands are outside. Really good job engaging hips. This is why I think he gets in trouble. His hands are outside so much. If a guy just decides in the National Football League, if a guy just goes, you know what? I'm coming off the ball and I'm going to start a bull. I'm going to straight bull rush you off the first two steps. And you're gonna if you're gonna keep catching me, I'm gonna put you in the quarterback's lap. He's gonna have to prove in training camp that he's figured that out. And until he does, I think guys are just gonna feast on him and and, and put that quarterback in a precarious position. Because as we know in the National Football League, pressure equals picks. I like that he strikes with his hips. He's trying to kind of go low to high. He just engages, and now he and you know they, he does the waddle out, which is not something that we preach from a body movement standpoint. But the idea that you start low, you keep those hips loaded until you punch, and you, when you punch, it's hips and hands at the same time that have your feet follow. He does a good job with that. 
explode out with that hip pinch. Get back. And then you're now you don't have to heel click. Now you can punch. Now you don't have to have hands wide. You know, those are the things that he's just going to have. There's a lot of work to be done from that perspective. I doesn't look to me like he was coached to do that kind of work, right? It wasn't forced on him, but he, there again, there are some just football. I hate this kid can play football. He seems to get things done. Um, traits with him. You look at the inside, I'll go back so you guys can not listen to me talk through this. So when you come down on the down block here, you know, defensive tackle wins hands inside. He's too high. He's not going to be able to engage in hips. So his hands are outside. And he's kind of, he really needs to work on hat and hands work as far as like loading hips into contact and then being able to explode hat uh, hips and hips to hands explode, you know, explode, shoot those, shoot those hands, shoot the hips through, have those feet chase the hips, be very, very violent when you're coming into contact here. So I think he's again, I don't know where he gets drafted. I'm not good at that. Is he a second rounder? Is he a fourth rounder? I would say in the Pac-12, he went up against a lot of talent. So he's seen a lot of things. Um, again, I just don't know that he's elite in anything. I like his body position. He has to become more violent. I don't know what his strength is like. He just looks like a solid guy, but again, is he is he is he explosive enough at the point of contact? Um, I think the answer to all these questions is yes, by the way, but it's just like questions you have to check. I think the combo, I think the numbers will, will tell you a story. Um, I think if you dive dive into the tape, you see him live. You see him how he goes up against, you know, can you tweak one or two things, even with the inside hand to keep it tight and what that does for his pass set. Like these things are so simple. They're so they're not easy to fix, but they're so simple to fix. You know, if you just if you just get the right coaching, if you just get the right movement mechanics, if you just understand why you're doing things, I think players like this can flourish into really, really high-level players. Again, I think it matters so much for a guy like Jordan Morgan. At six four three twelve out of Arizona, I think it. I think it's so important that he goes to a program, and it might be Green Bay, that has a system that's going to kind of kind of help him through, which it is in Green Bay. Any Shanahan offense is kind of it's going to be real helpful. I think from there's not a lot of seven steps, just straight dropbacks at the left tackle position. And then you got to have a really quality development guy at the offensive line position. And you know, based on last year, kind of what we saw throughout the year. I don't know based on the you know where we at with the right guard, where we're at with the center at this point. I, I just don't know that we feel great about that part of it. If they can if they can improve their process a little bit more there, but uh, of these three or four guys, you know, you which one would you pick up? It's actually it's actually tough for me. It's a it's a it's a toss up between you know Faltano from UW and uh, Fashano from Penn State, but I don't know that they play the same position. I, I, I really, really, really like the kid from UW. I like him better than anybody else. I looked at, I like him better than anybody else. I've looked at You know, some of the Joe wall. I, I, I just like the way he plays. I love his feet. I think there's just so much you can do with a guy who has that level of footwork. He is elite, elite, elite. When it comes to footwork, he might not be the athlete at what is for Sean? Six, six, three, 20, probably run sub five. 
Like he might not be that athlete at UW. He's a very, very good athlete. Okay. But he is elite with his footwork and he's already got good hands. My whole thing is he like a Skaronsky where like he might actually be a, a, a left guard or is he, and is he physical enough to play that position at a high level? Or is he going to, cause I look at him and I go like, well, you know who else had good feet and great Ben Shaq Mason. He's done pretty well. You know, um, Joe Tooney, like, but where did they, they, they go to, they go to new England and they realize, okay, this is how I translate my slightly undersized body to become a great leverage, great feet, great hands guy, because they had Skarnecchia and Dante Skarnecchia, the O-line coach, the goat, right. For years. So again, it's just so important depending on what position they want to play. Like they have to get just high, high level coaching just at the basics. And then, man, they're going to be, I think these guys are, I think both those guys will be really good. I think both of them come in and have an immediate impact in green Bay. Their starters. Day one starters at left tackle, maybe start at right guard. I don't know, but those guys could be starters. Day one. They are, they are immediately top three talent in green Bay. If either of those guys show up, are the other two, probably not. Are the other two, probably not even, uh, uh, Fuaga, who I like at 6'5, 332 Oregon State, he's not better than Zach Tom. No way, nowhere near the footwork, nowhere near the bend, nowhere near the, the lateral athleticism. Different, different type of player, and you can find a home for him, but not that kind of guy, right? And United, he's not a guard at all. He plays really, really tall. So there's more guys out there, I realize. I may or may not get to more guys. I want to look at some guards and centers later on, uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks. But Green Bay Packers fans just understand there's going to be competition at spots. And depending on what they did in coaches meetings and the meetings with Goody, they're going to make a decision like we're going to have real competition. Like we're getting, you know, John Ryan's moving on and we're bringing in a new guy, Sean Ryan, and, and that guy are going to have competition. We're just going to do the same thing this, this year. I don't think John Ryan's going to be back for the reasons we talked about last week. Um, but I think of that tackle position with Rashid Walker, like I think you you got to bring in one guy that's a difference maker, man. You need it. You just need a dude. Like name an offensive line in the league that's really really good, and their team just sucks. It just doesn't happen. You know, get an offensive line you can lean on. Get a get it. Just get that unique elite level player at the tack at the left tackle position, and just see what happens. See what happens when you get a Laramie Tunzel, and you don't have to. You don't have to mess around. You don't have to worry about your blind side. See what happens when you get a Trent Williams, and he he literally just takes out, you know, the left side of the line as far as like he he just erases the three technique on the bees. See what happens when Panay Sewell drive. You get a Panay, and he takes a dude twelve yards back on the doubles. Like how different your life is. You start getting those two hundred yard rushing games. You know, you start running some deeper routes because you have way more time out of just easy stuff. Like, there's so much you can do with an elite-level guy there. The same can be said with center and guard, and we'll, we'll check that out later. But, you know, tackle always has been the premium position, probably always will be, just because of this, the, this, the status that it's held. Even though I do think these offenses have kind of changed the narrative. Um, but, man, there's just so much you can do if you've got that that dude on the end. And, and they've had one. They had one for a decade. He's He's been hurt. He's probably gone. You need to find one that's at least – comparable to David Bakhtiari if in, if in fact he doesn't show up uh, next season, which it, it just all signs point to that's probably what's happening. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you do, please you know check out Block Party on, on YouTube, on the channel Process to Perform. 
subscribe, like, like, rate, review, share with your friends, all that stuff. Ask questions. I usually do a decent job of responding on YouTube. Uh, hit me up on Twitter with any questions you got about the draft, anything you got about the NFL in general. Mikewall68 on uh, Twitter, X, sorry. Process to perform on Instagram. Guys, thanks as always for watching. Uh, until next time, I think I'm going to do, like I said, I think I'm going to try to get a couple. Do you have any, any other suggestions? Yeah. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.